hey, listen, if you've met your full potential, please stop listening now because you don't need to listen to this. And congratulations on being perhaps the only person who's done that. So well done. But if you haven't met your full potential, hello, allow me to introduce you to it. Because today, this is the day where you are going to finally see how to get there. Why do you try harder to fit into other people's boxes than into your own potential? And it's not just you. This is practically all of us. Think about it. You can't be what you can't see. So from that box you're in, you're closing yourself off to so much, to your passion, to your purpose, to your potential. And the most effective way, the scientifically proven way to change your life, it's, it's simple. You need to change your environment. Oh, not so simple though, is it? Well, look, you cannot heal in an environment where you get sick. You cannot grow in an environment that makes you sick. And you are not leaving here today without at least two takeaways that will help you change your life. And you can use them immediately. So what are you waiting for? Let's get to it. <laughs> you're, 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 you're waiting for me to take you there. Okay, okay. I got you. Here we go. Her hair is curly. Her teeth are pearly. She's got an edge, but she's still pretty girly. Oh, oh. Nothing rhymes with Dahlia. Now, before we get into one of the single most important things you can do to change your life, I need you to realize something because I've told you so many times, you are not the only one. And this is such a common feeling. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'll tell you what proves to me that you are not the only one. All of the messages and comments and emails that I receive with very similar messaging, and that is... I feel like I'm the only one. I feel like my life is stuck. I feel like I'm not going anywhere. Every day is so hard. Every day is such a struggle. Every day is such a battle. And so first, before I even get into how to change your life, I want to thank you for being my producer. You are the one who is determining the topics on this podcast. You are the one who is giving me that inspiration to give back. This is a give and take between us. This is something that we are doing together. And I'm very grateful that you are a part of this journey. So know already when you're feeling how hard it might be to change your own life. I want you to think about all of the lives that you change without even realizing it the impact that you have in this community, the impact that you have in this world, the impact that your presence has on others, whether or not you know it, and the impact that it has on me. So I'm very grateful that you are here. Thank you. And let me tell you, I am excited for this. I'm excited for this little chatteroo, especially Oh, the story I have to share with you. Oh, yeah, it's it's that good. And you especially need it right now because I know it's a very hard time. I know it's a very challenging time for so many 
people. Loneliness is at an all-time high. Depression, anxiety, they're at an all-time high. Prices are going to an all-time high. This is a difficult time, right? But what I'm going to share with you today is one of the single most important things you can do to change your life. Even in those worst of times, you can change your life. And it starts with changing your environment, physical, social, internal. And when I say environment, I bet you that sometimes it's things that you wouldn't even think about. Before we even get to the more monumental part of this, the thing is, it doesn't even have to be monumental. It can be really little things. So here's just a little glimpse into the effect of environment. There are so many ways. There are so many ways that we can do this. And I've got an absolutely incredible story, incredible story that I need to share with you. But first, I want to share with you something from my own life that illustrates the effect of environment and also an embarrassing moment in my life. Yes, another embarrassing story from me. Or no, 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 no. I don't call them embarrassing stories. They are embraceable stories. Sometimes they're embarrassing. This might be just a little bit of that. So I do these keynotes, right? Keynotes, speeches, emceeing. And I've been doing this for years, years. I've been in front of countless audiences. And I'm invited to do this big event in a city that is a government city. So it's a bit of a different energy than you typically get, than I typically get where I'm used to. So here I am. This is a big night. I'm in front of a massive audience getting ready to put all of my best stuff out there as I've done so many times before. And you know what works. When you've been doing this for so long, you know those certain go-tos, certain things that you can say that will get people's attention, that will get a crowd energized, that gets them really into it, engaged, and I'm there. I am giving it my best stuff and nothing. Nothing. I say something and even though I have all of these people in front of me, it was as if nobody was there at all. And it made me feel like I was a nobody. Am I even here? Are people even watching me? So I'm just going to keep going and I push through. As I go on, I am feeling smaller and smaller. And I felt like I I don't know what to do. Nothing I'm saying is right. Nothing I'm doing is right. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Pause for a second. Take note. Here I am thinking there's something wrong with me, right? I have been doing this for years. I'm educated in this. I'm experienced in this. People have paid me to speak in front of crowds, audiences, dignitaries, whatever number of individuals, whatever types of people from whatever backgrounds for years. And then they have paid me repeatedly by asking me back to the event to do it again. And I'm at this one event in this first time experience where nothing I am saying is working. 
even though it's worked for years. And I'm saying to myself, what's wrong with me? (laughs) But I ask you, what's wrong with that question? Exactly. Now think of that next time you ask yourself, what's wrong with you? Now, unpause and let's go back to that fun night. So my time on stage is done. I'm getting ready to leave. (laughs) People keep coming up to me to stop me on my way out even to tell me how much they enjoyed the talk, how funny I was, how this moment, wow, that was a standout moment. And I'm thinking, were we just at the same event? Because I'm pretty sure I was the only person at that event. And I didn't witness anybody reacting like that. But the thing is, I was in a place where people aren't accustomed to showing that sort of energy. There's a certain sort of decorum that is adhered to. And it's part of a culture that's just been created there. And so here I was thinking that my performance, that my speech, that my, my presence wasn't hitting it at all. And they were all finding it funny and enlightening and uplifting, but they weren't expressing that. They weren't interacting with that. And because they weren't interacting with that, I didn't receive any energy from them. I thought, what is wrong with me? Because I felt so very alone. I need that energy. That energy makes me feel good. I bounce that energy from me back onto them. It's like a tennis match. Everything in life is like a tennis match. You hit a ball out there and that ball's going to come back to you. I didn't get that ball coming back to me. So I felt alone. I felt as though there was something wrong with me. And that is often how people feel when they are not in their right environment. If you feel like there is something wrong with you, if you feel like no matter what you do, you just can't thrive, well then, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's your environment. And what a poisonous, what a poisonous, toxic way to go through life thinking that there's something wrong with you. And so many people do. And it's no surprise that depression, anxiety, and loneliness are higher than ever. And that this is the mindset that people are defaulting to. Because so many people are in the wrong environment. Because so many people are going into these boxes to try to meet somebody else's requirements instead of going towards the potential that they have to meet their own self-actualization. All of this to say, your environment can make you or it can break you. Now, this is backed by science. Behavioral science studies show how we make decisions in our daily lives. And this has discovered that much of what we do each day, it's just automated. It's by rote. It's your habits, your daily choices. If they aren't helping you to accomplish goals, then behavioral science tells you what you need to do. 
you need to change your environment to meet your goals. Think about this. About half of your daily choices are habits. And what's a habit? It's a response to a trigger or a cue in your world, in your environment that tells you what to do next. So if you change your environment, what happens? You can change your response. And this will help you meet your goals. For instance, just a small thing before we get to the big thing, which is, oh, this story is going to change everything with your perspective. But before we get to that, I just want to just show you a small thing, okay? Wanting something done, this isn't always enough because if you want a certain outcome, you need to create an environment or you need to find yourself or put yourself in an environment that gets you closer to what you want done. Think about this, just something super small, but this is magic, magic. If you change your environment in the smallest ways, you won't have to motivate yourself as much to do whatever it is that you aim to do. Let's say you want to eat more vegetables. It's 4 p.m. You're hungry. You have chips, chocolate, cake lying around your house, but no vegetables. And I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking it too. Now I want chips, chocolate, and cake. But just stay with me here. You don't have any vegetables in your house. How do you motivate yourself at 4 p.m. when you're really hungry, when you have all of these foods around you that most people with a pulse would gravitate to at least one of those when they're starving, but you have no vegetables. What are you going to do? Are you going to go to the store at 4 p.m. when you're tired and probably a bit cranky, maybe you have a little bit of a headache and you've been working all day? Or are you going to go and grab some chips, chocolate or cake that's just sitting there and trying to seduce you? I mean, well, you know what they say about chocolate, but I digress. So let's say you set up your environment differently. You changed it. You know that at 4 p.m. you would not have the energy to go to the store. So you prepare your environment for those times when you know you'd have no motivation to go to the store and no motivation to prepare anything for yourself. So now it's 4 p.m. But the day before you went to the store, you bought yourself vegetables. You prepare them. You get them all ready for you to eat. They're just sitting in your fridge waiting for you. And there they are in your environment ready for you. It's so much easier to make that decision to go and grab those vegetables instead of the chips, chocolate, or cake, right? And if I say that one more time, I know that you're just going to go and grab some chips, chocolate, or cake. That one doesn't count that time that I just said it. So I'm not going to say it anymore. But this is just a very small example of what happens when you change your environment. And you see how you don't even need to generate all of this motivation to do a task once your environment is prepared for that. And there are countless ways that you can change your environment, which brings me to the one you really need to understand, because this will change everything. And you and I will get to that The story I'm about to share with you is so much more than this. It's going to change that rut you feel you're in because you're going to understand exactly why you need to leave it. This is going to allow you to see your life and possibility from a completely different perspective and also help you realize 
There is nothing wrong with you, but there's probably something wrong with your environment. There's something wrong with our entire environment, actually. And this story says it all. It says so much about all of us. And yes, it's a true story. So one day, a few years back, it's a cold January morning during rush hour, and a man sets himself up at a subway station in Washington, D.C., Thousands of people, they're just passing by, probably on their way to work. And here's this busker playing classical music on his violin. So about three minutes in, a passerby slows his pace, stops, listens for a few seconds, then hurries on. This is all on camera. This is all on video. And then a minute later, the violinist receives his first tip. A dollar. A woman tosses money in his case and continues on her way. And a few minutes later, someone leans against the wall to listen, but then looks at his watch and starts to walk again. During those 45 minutes that the musician played, only six people stopped and stayed for a while. A few were children who were then pulled along by their parents. In the end, the violinist busker finishes playing No one notices, no one applauds. He earns about $32, and that was that. What no one knew? This busker was Joshua Bell, a Grammy winner and one of the best musicians in the world. And there he was playing some of the most intricate pieces of music ever written by Bach and the like on a violin worth $3.5 million. Two days before playing in that subway, Joshua Bell sold out a theater in Boston where the average seat cost $100. A true story. Joshua Bell playing incognito in that subway station. It was actually organized by the Washington Post. This was written in 2007 by Gene Weingarten, part of a social experiment about perception, taste, and priorities of people. And it was essentially to answer a few questions. In a commonplace environment, at an inappropriate hour, do we perceive beauty? Do we stop to appreciate it? Do we recognize talent in an unexpected context? So while the story set out to answer these questions, it actually answers a couple of questions it didn't necessarily set out to ask. And these are a couple of key takeaways for you that I'm going to get to momentarily. But interestingly enough, this wasn't a fluke. The Washington Post won a Pulitzer Prize for this story that was done in April 2007, based in part on the article's originality. But this concept wasn't quite so unique. The very same experiment had been done with strikingly similar results by another journalist about 77 years earlier in the Chicago Evening Post, And it was about a violin virtuoso, Jacques Gordon, a one-time child prodigy, and he performed for spare change on his priceless Stradivarius, incognito, 
for 45 minutes outside a subway station while most people hurried past and the violinist made a pittance. He also played two of the handful of songs played by Joshua Bell, Meditation and Ave Maria, which is crazy eerie, but I dahlia grass again. But what do those two events with the same outcome teach you? Two major lessons that will change your life. One, if we do not have a moment to stop and listen to one of the best musicians in the world playing the best music ever written, how many other things are we missing? Well, maybe we can learn from bears. Yes, bears. Stick with me on this. How do I go from a classical violinist to bears? How do I do many things? I never have the answer for that. But I have the answer for this. I have the answer for this. So I'm scrolling through my social media feed and I come across a picture of a bear. I swear if it wasn't so big and hairy, I'd think it was just my dad because he's sitting there like a person, like my dad, you know, just a bit slumped over, just chilling on a rock, looking at the lake surrounded by all of nature's glory, a snowtop mountain, trees, blue, blue sky. And people have witnessed bears in the wild partaking in unusual behavior, as they call it, such as sitting still for long periods of time in one spot, doing apparently nothing but staring at these scenic vistas like sunsets and mountains. But perhaps most important to a bear is its perseverance because their life is about survival. So why are they stopping to sit? Why are they stopping to seemingly stare? Bears are relentless. They never give up, right? Well, bears in their constant drive and fight to survive, they need fuel. So what do they do? They stop to take in their environment. And there are many case reports illustrating how bears in captivity, they'll suffer from apathy. They'll suffer from depression. They cannot handle being in a box. What happens when you're in that box where you don't belong? You end up suffering from apathy, from depression. And scientists have actually identified bears are very self-aware in various ways. They see their own reflection in the water. They can remove their own tracks. They've concealed themselves in trees and rocks when hunting. They know what they're doing. This behavior has shown biologists that bears have forethought. So they know what they're doing, even when they seem to be doing nothing at all. Stopping to take it all in, understand their environment, appreciate it. Do you realize what bears are doing? They're taking a mental health break, a physical and a mental health break. They are practicing a form of gratitude. Yet, what do us civilized humans do? Our breaks consist of disconnecting from our environments, going on all of these different social media platforms, looking at anything that can distract us and disconnect us from where we are. Why? Because we usually do not like where we are. So we try to disconnect from our environment. And then we end up 
feeling lonelier because we become more disconnected. You see, instead of creating more disconnection, what we're really supposed to do is create connection. So instead of trying to escape your environment, yet remain in it, why don't you try to leave your environment to find that connection that you need? So that's one major lesson that comes out of this story. And it is backed by science. But there's a second one. And this one is, this is just the one that really gets to me. Because after this whole experiment, Joshua Bell had many interviews. And he explained something more about the importance of environment than the experiment itself. You see, this violinist, this extraordinary violinist, wasn't that surprised by these results. He anticipated an apathetic outcome because he said playing Bach for unsuspecting commuters, he told the writer, no, this is not going to get a big crowd. And his prediction proved accurate. Why? He attributes the lackluster response to the performance environment, to the lack of interaction. He says interaction is essential to experience his performance. And that's the beauty of it. The interaction is what stimulates your brain, the listener's brain, but also the performer's brain. So what would have happened had the best musician in the world kept playing in that subway every single day, every single day going in there and playing this music for which he had the talent, the skills, the masterful experience and getting no real reaction. It's not just the commuters who would continue missing out, but it would also be this world-class, incredible violinist. He would become less and less stimulated by the very thing that he loves. He would become less and less stimulated by the very thing that his essence needs to be stimulated. So the big lesson here, and I need you to hear this, the extraordinary in an ordinary environment does not shine. It is not recognized. Worse, the extraordinary in an ordinary environment becomes tarnished, and becomes less than ordinary. There are brilliant people who don't receive a reward according to their potential. And once they arm themselves with value and leave an environment that isn't kind to them, they thrive, they grow. When a person is not in the right atmosphere, they can be right in front of you, and you won't even see them. You won't see how exceptional they are, and you won't feel how exceptional you are when you're ignored by everyone. You need to make sure you are where you need to be. You need to make sure you are where you should be. Go where you are appreciated. Know your worth. 
and know there is so much all around you to appreciate if you take the time to notice. Noticing that in and of itself will improve your environment. Also, it is not lost on me that many people are inclined to pass by a subway performer, a busker, because they have whatever negative stereotype. And unfortunately, assumptions about people based on appearance or socioeconomic status or whatever variables, they are far too common in our society. But if you take those moments to appreciate, to notice, those stereotypes can change. That negativity can shift to positivity. And we also don't take the time to appreciate people or our environment because we're far too busy and too encumbered by the noise in these boxes that we stick ourselves in as we try to fit into boxes instead of our own potential. We are so busy trying to become whatever it is other people want you to be that you don't end up becoming yourself and you don't end up enjoying yourself or your environment. So listen, have I said this enough times? You need to change your environment. And there are three things that you need to do to change it. One, get away from the naysayers. These are the negative people around you who keep telling you, nope, can't be done. Impossible is just a word to say, I don't care enough. I don't have enough passion. Do not listen to that. And sometimes these are well-meaning individuals who have just been beaten down by life and they have good intentions. And other times they're just jealous people stuck in a rut who want to trip you and keep you down with them. Do not listen to the naysayers. Two, get away from the soul suckers. Those are the takers, the fakers, the people with the grandest of promises whose actions never align with their words. But oh, those promises sound just so great. They're often full of superlatives and BS. So soul suckers, no. Which brings us to three, get away from no-sayers. And there's a difference between naysayers and no-sayers. Naysayers are those negative people. No-sayers are the people who just, they say nothing. They don't react. They don't support. You clearly did something outstanding, but huh? Who are you? Did, did, Did you do something? Did you say something? So get away from the naysayers, get away from the soul suckers, those takers, the fakers, and get away from no-sayers. To do those three things, you may have to move yourself externally, and you may have to move yourself internally, and you may have to do both. Well, you will. And we'll get to those in future episodes with some real experts on how to make that happen. But maybe this is moving to a different job. Maybe it's moving to a different city. It's definitely moving yourself internally. And to do that, be like a bear. Practice that gratitude for your environment and for yourself. And remember this, a flower will not bloom if the pot is too small. If there's not enough sunshine, not enough shade, not enough water, that flower will not bloom. So do you blame the flower or its environment? As a dahlia, 
You already know what my answer is. Don't blame the flower. Blame its environment. I told you anyway. As Adalia, you also probably knew that I would tell you anyway. And with that, thank you for dropping by the Neighboralia. I'm grateful that you take your time to join me for our little chats and that you take your time to share these episodes and the videos that I make for you. And I'll tell you, the same way I just want to help you shine brightly so you can use your light to help others shine as well, you do that for me too. So thank you. That said, may I please ask you to share this episode with a friend or family, someone who needs more light. So basically, that's probably, well, just share it with everybody you know, because we all need more light. And before you go, please make sure you are following this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, especially because I have a very special treat planned for you. The most joyful person on the planet will be joining us next episode. You do not want to miss it. He can even find the joy in darkness and he will teach you how. So follow the podcast. Do not miss that conversation. And now typically I would just say, okay, go on, live and help live. But after our little chatteroo today... This, this wordplay, it's, it's just sitting in my lap and I have to use it. So grow on, grow ahead, live and help live. That sounded more like Scooby-Doo than anything else there. <laughs> oh, oh, nothing rhymes without ya. Nothing rhymes without ya. Nothing rhymes without ya. Neighboralia.